This is CPX number 75, Confession number 3. This is the Catechism of Pope St. Pius X, CPX, page 85 to 86. We are in question and answer number 19 to 24. This is on the effects and the necessity of the sacrament of penance and the disposition to receive it properly. The question and answer this time will come with my commentary between each one, not at the end of the podcast. God give you his peace. In nomine Patris, Sefiri, Spiritu Santi. Amen. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of Truth, who art present everywhere and filling all things, treasure of all good and source of all life, come dwell in us, cleanse us and save us, you who are all good. Amen. In nomine Patris, Sefiri, Spiritu Santi. Amen. Again, this is on the effects and the necessity of the sacrament of penance and the disposition to receive it properly. Number 19. Which are the effects of the sacrament of penance? Answer. The sacrament of penance confers sanctifying grace, by which are remitted the mortal sins and also the venial sins which we confess, and for which we are sorry. It changes eternal punishment into temporal punishment, of which it even remits more or less according to our dispositions. It revives the merits of the good works done before committing mortal sin. It gives the soul aid in due time against falling into sin again, and it restores peace of conscience. Okay, now let me give you a few of my own thoughts here. What we just heard in the answer there, there's a few things that might not even make sense even to well-educated Catholics, so I just want to parse this out. One of the effects of the sacrament of confession or penance, according to Pope St. Pius X, he says it changes eternal punishment into temporal punishment. What does that mean? It means if you, after your baptism, go to confession with a mortal sin on your soul and confess it, you still probably have to do purgatory time, but your hell time is eradicated. So what he means here is eternal punishment is the same as hell, and temporal punishment is the same as purgatory. So to kind of put it in a blue-collar way, it turns hell into purgatory when you go to confession. Now he also adds this on the topic of temporal punishment. He says, of which it even remits more or less according to our dispositions. What he means by that is that purgatory time is reduced every confession that you go to. Besides going to confession with your mortal sins, this is an additional reason why it's worth going to confession with your venial sins. In other words, if you don't have mortal sins, it's still good to confess your venial sins because confession does reduce purgatory time. doesn't mean it eradicates it down to zero, but your purgatory time is reduced for every confession that you make as long as you're sorry for your sins. Another effect that was in number 19 here, Pope St. Pius X says that confession revives the merits of the good works done before committing mortal sin. This is a tough one for Americans to understand because we don't talk a lot about merit. But basically, picture your soul. Everyone's soul in heaven is going to be filled to the brim. And the amount of sacrificial love that you live on earth is going to be the size, so to speak. I know that's not the right term. The size of your soul that's going to be filled with God's grace in heaven is determined by the amount of sacrificial love that you live on earth. So an analogy that many of you have heard is like, say, a little baby who is baptized and dies of SIDS right after baptism. That baby is going to go to heaven, of course, um, but it's going to be like a thimble filled with the grace of God where uh, someone who lived a very good life could be like um, maybe a swimming pool filled up uh, in heaven. And maybe a great saint could be like, you know, Lake Huron or Lake Michigan or one of the great lakes uh, filled with the grace of God. We bring our glory to heaven, which is the merits, especially the merits of the martyrs, red martyrs and white martyrs. Of course, the Blessed Virgin Mary is like the ocean that's filled, still 
Um, she's still a, a person, but she's so filled with God that this she, she ultimately fulfills what is in First Peter, partakers of the divine nature. Every saint is going to be a partaker in the divine nature, but she's going to be so filled with the divinity, she's going to be like the Pacific Ocean filled with the glory of God. This is in, for any Protestants listening, you can look in 1 Corinthians 15. I don't have the exact quote on me, but St. Paul basically says, as star differs from star in glory, that's his own words, and I'm going to add my words as a summary, so also every soul is going to differ from the next soul in heaven by its level of glory, which again is determined by the amount of sacrificial love that you live on earth. Of course, as I've said before, we Catholics do not believe that we pull ourselves up to heaven by our own bootstraps. We can only be saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, by his precious blood covering us. Of course, nobody can earn their way to heaven by their own good works. However, if you read Matthew 25, our judgment is determinant, or rather, our judgment is determined by if we fed the hungry, put clothes on um, the naked. And of course, if we apply this to today, the two greatest crises is children being killed in abortion and trafficking. Um, And so our glory... Uh, is going to be manifested in our works. And you can find this all through the book of Apocalypse or Revelation. If you look in the book of the Apocalypse, it's very clear that the white garments of the saints are their good works. Just look that up. Just Google that in Revelation if you want to see that. Okay, now this brings us back to number 19 in Confession Part 3 today. It says, Confession revives the merits of the good works done before committing mortal sin. So let's say you have this man who is a very holy man and he was tortured for Christ at some point in his life. Maybe maybe he's a Chinese man tortured for Christ. Then he comes to the United States and, I don't know, his wife dies and, and he gets lukewarm in his faith and later in life commits a mortal sin. But then before dying, he makes a good confession. Is he going to get the credit? Again, we're not Pelagians as Catholics. I'm not saying he would be saved by this, but we do believe you bring your good works to heaven and these are glorified. Does he get the revivification of the merits of that glory of, say, being tortured for Christ, even though he later committed a mortal sin and then confessed that sin and then entered sanctifying grace and then went into cardiac arrest sometime after that and then went to his reward? The beautiful thing about the Catholic Church's teaching is yes, you get all of your former merits revivified at a confession, even if you fell into mortal sin. So you remember I mentioned like that little baby might be analogous to a thimble full of glory. And it's not going to be jealous of, say, the Blessed Virgin Mary or, say, St. Peter Claver looks like the like Lake Michigan in his glory in heaven. A baby's not going to be jealous because it's going to be filled to the very brim. Um, but will that baby who never committed a mortal sin have as much glory as a guy who committed a mortal sin but had all of his merits revivified by a good confession? I don't think so. In other words, um, the great news about confession is it, it re-brings to life, brings to life again all of your former merits, even if, God forbid, you fall into mortal sin. I'm, of course, not telling you this so that you live in presumption and think we can just kind of use confession as fire insurance. But it is a beautiful thing um, that all of our merits and even probably our gifts come back to us as we re-enter sanctifying grace, should we, God forbid, fall into mortal sin and then make a good confession. Number 20, is the sacrament of penance necessary to all for salvation? Answer, the sacrament of penance is necessary for salvation to all who have committed a mortal sin after baptism. Let me just repeat that again. The sacrament of penance is necessary for salvation to all who have committed a mortal sin after baptism. 
What is a mortal sin? I'm going to tell you at the end about a blog post I wrote. But one correction I want to make on Confession Part 2, it's not a correction, it's more of a clarification. You know, on the last CPX, I said the only way I know you can be saved without baptism and confession to be saved from original sin and or mortal sin is to make a perfect act of contrition. And I stick by that. Um, But how about as you go to confession? And remember again, the difference is that imperfect contrition is sorrow for your sins for fear of hell. Perfect contrition might include that, but it especially is sorrow for your sins for having offended God. So is it sufficient? Here's an interesting question, so pay attention to this. Is it sufficient to go to confession with imperfect contrition? Or do you need perfect contrition to make a good, good confession? The church's answer is either. How merciful of the church of that, how merciful of the church to answer to us that either. So you're going to make a better confession and probably leave there with a more firm purpose of amendment if you're sorry for your sins for having re-crucified Christ, as St. Paul writes to the Hebrews, every every sin we do re-crucifies Christ. Re-crucifies Christ. Um, but if you go to confession just with fear of hell, how beautiful, how merciful of the church to say, at the words of absolution, that is sufficient to come back into sanctifying grace. So let me summarize it this. When you go to confession, it's better to have perfect contrition, but it is sufficient for a good confession to have imperfect contrition. Number 21, is it a good thing to go to confession often? Answer, yes, it is an excellent thing to go to confession often because the sacrament of penance, besides taking away sin, gives the graces necessary to avoid sin in the future. Okay, just my own little commentary here. Remember that the Eucharist, one of the great advantages of receiving the Eucharist and sanctifying grace too, is it also gives you strength against temptations to future mortal sin and venial sin. Now, when the Pope says it's good to go to confession often, again, the term I just used was fire insurance. I heard that on EWTN like 20 years ago. You don't want to just use confession as fire insurance. In other words, it's an invalid confession, like I said before, if you have no firm purpose of amendment. Of course, that doesn't mean you have to prick your finger, write out your name in blood, you're never going to commit that sin again. But when you go to confession, you are telling God you're going to try not to commit that sin again, or whatever you're confessing right there. So it's good to go to confession often, but you don't want to have it in your mind. You can just kind of hopscotch in and out of grace. Why? Because you really do need firm purpose of amendment for a good confession. Number 22. Has the sacrament of penance the power of remitting all sins, no matter how numerous or how great they are? Answer, the sacrament of penance has the power of remitting all sins, no matter how numerous and great they are, provided it is received with the requisite dispositions. How beautiful is this, that you could confess all the most horrible sins of the world and still be forgiven. You know, they made the movie, they made a movie about the true story of an SS guard in the Holocaust. This Nazi was guilty of uh, the blood of many, many people in, I don't know if it was Auschwitz or Dachau, um, but he made a, um, he fully repented, he gave his life to Christ, and he made something like a 10-hour confession to a Polish priest before he was hung, I think at Nuremberg. This is a true story. An SS Nazi converted, confessed all of his sins to Christ through a Polish priest, and I think it took like 10 hours. And uh, pray for him. He might still be in purgatory now, but I believe he's saved after, um, after a confession like that. So that shows you right there how powerful confession is, that it can even forgive a Nazi who killed 
thousands of people and partic partook in a regime that killed millions of people. That's not to downplay that, but it's to show that the blood of Jesus is even greater than the Holocaust. So if a Nazi can be forgiven of his sins by a priest in the confessional, so can you. This is how great Jesus's mercy is. Now, why did it take him 10 hours? As I said before, you could actually confess a lot of sins in just 10 minutes as long as you number them. He probably felt that part of his contrition would be to describe a lot of these sins that he committed in Auschwitz or Dachau. But I do want to repeat what I said last time, that really you could confess a, a pretty long, horrible laundry list in just 10 minutes of a lifetime confession, also called a general confession, as long as you number those sins. Remember, the church does require you have to number your mortal sins. Why do you have to number your mortal sins? Well, for one, this is an analogy I've given before. You know, when I was a paramedic, if I brought a single patient into Denver Health ER and said, they like it to be called the emergency department, not the ER, at least in the old days. If I rolled in with a single patient and said gunshot wound, the attending physician would make sure that I got fired as a Denver paramedic if that single patient had three gunshot wounds and I only reported it as one. So it really does matter for us to number the amount of wounds that we have. So you can probably see this as the analogy, mortal sins have to be numbered. A priest friend of mine also describes it like this, Jesus, when he was in the garden, he did say yes to the Father for every sin that we did that he would do penance for it. When Jesus was in the garden, looking through all of time at every sin that would be committed, he told the Father, this is God the Son telling God the Father, he would do penance not just for sins in general, but for every single sin you and I committed, Jesus owned in the garden. So the very least we can do is number these. And again, this is where we have to not be flippant if we make a lifetime confession, also a general confession. We do use terms like dozens or hundreds or thousands of this mortal sin or that mortal sin. We don't want to be flippant about it. We do want to realize that Jesus shed blood for every single one of those sins, um, but it does honor him and worship him and make our confession valid when we do our very best. It doesn't have to be perfect, but when we do our best to give a number to those. Number 23, how many conditions are necessary to make a good confession? This is going to sound a little complex in the answer, but I think, as, as I said last time, 98% of you are doing this, but it's good just to have your ears perked up to make sure you, that you have the conditions necessary to make a good confession, because that's the subtitle of today's CPX. Okay, these are, the, these are the conditions necessary to make a good confession. One, examination of conscience. Two, sorrow for having offended God. Three, resolution of sinning no more. Four, confession of our sins. Five, satisfaction or penance. And for that last one, that is the thing that you do after you leave the confessional, after you've received absolution. That's when you go and either, I don't know, say five Hail Marys or fast for a day, whatever the priest gave you. Now, if you remember last time, I gave you that mnemonic CCAP, and that stands for contrition, confession, absolution, and penance. Those are the four things that you should memorize. The only thing he's basically tacking on the front of that, since we could fit sorrow and resolution into C right there, the only thing he's tacking onto that is examination of conscience. Now, this is something that a lot of people might do in their mind, but they don't write down. I would highly suggest that you write this down, one, so that you don't forget sins. And we do, again, know um, that you are forgiven uh, forgotten sins, but if they're mortal, you do have to confess them in the next confession. But, you know, and this is something I don't do very well. I do write down my sins every time I go to confession, but I don't spend a good amount of time making my examination of conscience. I think this is good so that we can ask the Holy Spirit, how do you see my life? 
you know, because it's we definitely have to number and name all mortal sins, but what about venial sins and imperfections? Are we open to the blood of Jesus covering those? This is where it's a good idea. Not, not that we want to come in with a 15-minute confession just to receive, like, psychological therapy from the priest. Especially if there's a line, you don't want to make a 15-minute confession of just, you know, your imperfections. Um, but ask the Holy Spirit also what your venial sins and perfections are and write those down. Number 24, what should we do first of all to make a good confession? Answer, to make a good confession, we should first of all earnestly beseech God to give us light to know all our sins and strength to detest them. So that ties into what I said last time, but do remember that firm purpose of amendment is necessary for a good confession. So write those out uh, and take some time. We are going to spend next podcast, the next CPX is specifically on examination of conscience. Don't get too worried. Again, I think most of you are fulfilling this stuff, but it's good to know what you're doing. Uh, there's a lot of people, including myself, that weren't really well catechized in our Catholic schools as we grew up, so we're learning this as we go. But I do believe, without sounding Gnostic, that the Holy Spirit has taught a lot of you this. You're going to find next week as we listen to the Examination of Conscience, you're doing most of this, but it's good to be able to crystallize your life in some doctrine as you listen to it. What I am going to link again is uh, three things in the show notes. One, 15 mortal sins Catholics are missing in their confessions. Two, tips on making a general confession. Remember, general confession is your lifetime confession, and that's probably good to do every decade where you recommence the clicker at the previous decade. And then number three, just how to make a good confession. So um, I'm going to link those in the show notes, and if you have time, go ahead and listen to those. Otherwise, just please say an hour, Father, for me, at benedictio de omnipotentis, Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, descendit super vos et maniat semper. Amen.